Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. This is Michael Anthony Ingram. I am here tonight with James Coates. He's a poet, performer, and educator. James, are you with me? James? We're having some technical difficulties. We'll be right there with you. Love. Um, for me, 
love romance and relationships was initially where I got into poetry and then from there it branched into other areas of my life um fatherhood and uh, right now I am you know heavily into to writing about uh social justice and, and the ch- um being the change um we want to see in the world all right very nice please share a poem sure this poem is titled Planting, and it's from um, my new collection, Midnight in Mad Dreams. What does hope look like in a doomed tree? Nothing if not a seedling, a piece of potential to grow, naked, green, and unsure, drenched in stormy rains, cast among unfertile molts. Nevertheless, roots dig deep. Some would see you perish. And yet, you're right here, reaching beyond the shadows for your place in the light. A miracle made witness as each new dawn is a prayer answered. End of poem. Oh, very nice. How does a poem begin for you with an idea, a form, or an image? Mm, All of them, really. I feel like it's very much like um, like childbirth. It, it could come out different ways. It just depends on how the poem wants to be born. So um, sometimes it starts with an idea, and, and um, I'll brainstorm from there. Other times I'll try to start with the form itself and uh, set up, you know, the parameters of the form, and then build the poem from there and sometimes the poem comes from uh living life or you know you see a, a picture in it, on a walk or uh an aphrastic poem visiting a museum um and so it, it just depends on uh you know what what uh, the inspiration is for that day all right very nice please share another This one is also from Midnight in Dreams. It's called Still Life. They tell me you don't exist, and some do believe that lie, because they don't show it. Only promote the negatives, hide away the actual photography. I know the truth of reality. I watch the results every day. With my own eyes I see, see us loving each other, dating, courting, Marrying, birthing babies, building homes, staying together to raise futures. There is an art to how we love, a muse that inspires me daily, joy that washes the body tender, like waterfalls feeding newborn forests. I picture nations' origins formed in the bosom of your embrace, protection held gentle in the muscle fibers of powerful arms. Speak truth to the brown earth. Watch it crack open, canyon wide, and still not be large enough to encompass our affection. From remote villages to bustling cities, we are drawn into one another. The way night calls today to sleep safely beneath indigo sheets. End poem. Wow. That was incredible. You know, over the course of the last several years, I've interviewed a number of people, and people write everywhere. Where do you go to write? Hmm. Workshops. Workshops? Um, Tell me more. Tell me about the workshops. Yeah. Uh, So really, during the pandemic, um, a lot of in-person workshops moved online, and so I... um, had access to them. And so uh, I began taking workshops uh, from different organizations like um, Spoken Literature Arts Movement in Los Angeles, Poetry University, um, uh, out of like Baltimore, um, the Poetry Lab, uh, and what was the new one that just started recently? Um, 
Yeah, just all over the place. Every everything. I, recently, I just finished one, um, Imaginative Storm, and that was based in uh, North Carolina. Uh, so really, uh, it, it's made it uh, access to different workshops across the country available, and I just try to soak it all in. Um, but usually, it's from home. That's my actual writing. Okay. All right then. All right then. You know, all great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes? Some current uh, writers that I really appreciate. Um, One is Rudy Francisco, and I was able to take a workshop with him recently, uh, which was wonderful. Uh, And what I appreciate about his poems are that they're not overly complicated so that um, you get lost in maybe um, the college literacy, poetry kind of um, experience, but they're not too, too like Instagram poem where it's, it's, it's like truisms. So I feel like he blends both of those worlds really well where, uh, when you read the poem, it's on surface level, you can read it and, and get something out of it. But if you dig deeper into the poetry, you can also like see like, wow, this is really constructed well. And um, his use of metaphor and bringing you into places that you don't expect is, is really powerful. Right. Uh, and then one Anyone other else? person, if I can. Yes. Um, uh, Bridget Bianca, uh, which is a uh, Southern California poet, Los Angeles um, poet that uh, I recently connected with during the pandemic. Uh, I got her book, Be Trouble, and it touched my heart so much. Like It was probably the best poetry book I read in um, 2020, and... I feel like it connected me to my experience in Los Angeles, um, all the joys and the pain uh, of having lived there for some years. And uh, I could really relate to everything in it. And I was like, this if I want to write a book about Los Angeles, this would be um, the kind of book I would want to write. And so I just love the way that she can can – work a poem into to an experience that is that allows you to feel seen. And her name is again? Bridget Bianca. Bridget Bianca. All right, all right. Please share another poem with us. Okay, this poem is um, written about bodies, and it's titled, a movement to stand in. Bodies built bold and brazen, temples to connect us to God within. Start writing the wrongs, love. Worship in this radiance, within temples to connect us to God, worthy of bellowing praise. Worship in this radical, in being found treasure, worthy of bellowing praise. Let confidence flow naturally. Treasure Sound in being, born like dawn's light, serenity. Naturally, confidence flows, lost in time moments. Serenity, born like dawn's light. Revolutions embrace the movement. In moments lost, start writing wrongs. Embrace the movement. Bold and brazen bodies built revolutions and poems. Wow. That was very powerful. You're, based on my understanding of your work, you're an old pro at this. What was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? And do you come from a literary background yourself? Hmm. Poetic language has power. Um... That is a difficult one. Uh, I can't think of a Mm -hmm. specific moment. 
uh, I can say that when I was uh, in high school, uh, my senior year, I took a creative writing class, and um, we we created a literary magazine as part of the class. And I guess that was my first experience um, looking at other people's poems and editing and deciding what was going to go in the in the literary magazine and what was going to go out. Um, and I remember some classmates shared poems, and I was like, wow, I didn't know that some of the, the students at the school were going through such things. And some mm-hmm. things were very similar to mine, and some were really, like, difficult personal family circumstances. And I was like, wow, like, other people should be able to hear this, and um, they may be also going through it. And so that's where I realized, like, like poetry can connect people to um, experiences that they're going through and kind of... Uh, speak for for those experiences. And then I think the second part of the question was, do I have a literary background? Uh, not formally. Uh, I, I started writing poetry early, um, probably middle school, and um, wrote up, into, up and through high school, early college. Um, but I didn't go to college for um, writing or poetry. And I actually took an extended um, break from it in pretty much most of my 20s, and then I picked it um, up again in my 30s. And really for the last five years, um, I've been heavily into learning as much as I can and, and producing work. Do you think, based on your experiences, that you were meant to be a poet? I think so. Yeah, I think. Tell um, me more. Tell, tell me more. I know when I ask that question, people <laughs> are like, "Wow, that's what, <laughs> whether I'm meant to be a poet, I don't know." But tell me, tell me, please. Yeah, I, I, I feel the fact that I was pulled back and possibly called back to this work, um, and very much like uh, if you're familiar with scripture, uh, you know. Uh, Jonah tried to like not go deliver the message that God wanted them yes. to deliver. deliver. Um, and so I feel like I, you know, stepped away and was like, I'm going to go do other stuff. I'm going to go, you know, do business consulting. And um, and that didn't happen. Like I was pulled back to the poetry. Like this is where you're supposed to be now. And so like get to work. Uh, so from that sense, um, yeah, I do feel like I was supposed to be a poet. Um, again, I did start writing at an early age, um, and um, part of that uh, experience and grown experience growed me up, made me a um, uh, an empath uh, person who's very mm. like um, in touch with others emotionally, and so a lot of my work. Uh, is influenced by that and trying to capture um, others' feelings and, and the experience and the stories that um, they they themselves may not be able to vocalize or necessarily um, want to tell people what's going on, um, being able to capture that, that voice and that experience within poems and being able to bring it into the world um, so that others can connect with it is... Uh, I feel like really important work for me. Oh, very nice, very nice. You know, speaking of being an empath, do you think that someone can be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions? Uh, a good poet? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that I think that that's part of what makes a good poet is that you can um, look at an experience and see how. Uh, people can connect with that experience and then doing the work to write it, to create it in a way that um, uses all the tools of language and and words 
to you know tell a beautiful story, uh, even if it's uh, has a difficult message or um, comes from a difficult place. Um, part of it is is having something to say, and then the other part is you, how are you saying that thing? Are you saying it in a, a creative, beautiful, you know, um, different way than um, I guess other storytelling mediums? All right. Well, please share another poem. Um, so this poem is also out of Midnight and Mad Dreams, uh, and it's titled, Girls Just Want to Be Left Alone. Her hips spill out her jeans, the way BP spills oil in the Pacific. Thick, black, and hazardous. Or how nosy moms spill gossip out of their mouths about her. Too tight, too fast, they say. Her body squeezes into the denim packaging like candy man picture unwrapping, painting her as a sweet treat. But she is only an adolescent, striving to maintain her innocence. Her curves placed on a pedestal atop a mountain of patriarchy. Now more than ever, her full legs can't carry the intense weight of societal standards forced on her. Even when she did attempt to hide her budding womanhood, the sound of her thighs rubbing became a dog whistle, causing untamed stray men to circle. Why can't those wide hips just be hers to grow into before they're first forced to give birth to the desires and the imagination of men twice her age? And poem. That's a hard-hitting work, James. Yeah, so I guess that, that, that would point. be a impact one. Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Tell me more about the. Tell me more about the the creation of that particular piece. Um. Yeah. So it. it sometimes I try and take myself out of my lived experience and. Um, uh, write poems about um, what others are going through. Uh, and so this poem was about um, some of the younger um, friends and family, women, uh, or teenagers going to become women, and, and how as they develop physically, um, older men or attracted to them and tried to pursue them and uh, physically they may look um, like a grown woman but um, mentally they still need to grow up and to be an adult and so um, you know it it would be nice if uh, their experience didn't have to involve um going through that at such a young age. Yes. Wow. And that brings up a question. You know, so much is happening in our world today. We're in the recovery process of uh, from a pandemic, hopefully the recovery part of it. What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern-day society? What do I think the role of a poet is in modern-day society? Yes. What what should their role be? Oh, okay. Um, maybe it all depends on the poet. I think. Okay. Uh, I think there are um, poets that that are here to entertain us and to, you know, say uh, beautiful things that make us feel good and and. We need those. We do want to hear poems that feel good and are beautiful and speak of love and all the sweet stuff. Um, and then there are poems, poets that give us you know, hard truths and um, talk about difficult subject matter. Uh, and there is a lot in, in the world that's going on to talk about those things. And um, as I moved from 
love poems into social justice poems, um, mm-hmm. I realize how important it, it, it is to not um, be silent on those matters, to uh, talk about what's going on in the world. And uh, uh, that's how I came um in the came uh, with the creation of Midnight in Mad Dreams, uh, it is a book that is aimed at fighting racism and oppression through the use of poetry. And so I explore that that question. Um, you know, how can poetry be used to to spur change in the world? And so uh, that's definitely a, a role that a poet can take is to try and facilitate change. And I also created the uh, Be the Change workshop uh, to yes. talk about social justice issues and poets to write. Um, but I don't want to say that uh, that's the only way to be a poet is to talk about um, those things. Mm-hmm. Where is your book available or your books? Where are they available? So my first two books uh, are available on... Uh, Amazon, All the Ways You're Wonderful, and Midnight and Mad Dreams are both available on Amazon. Uh, Midnight, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I mentioned Midnight and Mad Dreams. Uh, Midnight and Mad Dreams is not out yet. Currently, we're uh, looking for a publisher to decide uh, who wants to, to publish it. It is complete, just waiting to see who wants to, to pick it up. But If I Had Lived and All the Ways You're Wonderful are available on Amazon right now. Where does your third book fit into your career? The third book is, I feel like, an educational tool. Okay. And so, it, and so as I was writing the, the poems, about the various um, subject matter related to, to social justice, and uh, I was I asked myself, how do I use poetic form, um, traditional poetic forms, in a way that reshapes them to to uh, be politically conscious uh, poems, and so there are many different forms, pantoons, haikus, bops. Uh, uh, I even created a, a style of my own in there uh, to, so that not only does the reader enjoy um, the poems that are being shared, but it could be brought into a classroom and the form of poetry can also be taught as well as you know the content in the poems, and so um, I'm very excited about this third book. Uh, even just alone, the creation of it during the pandemic, but uh, mm-hmm. the idea of it being used as a tool to to highlight these key issues, and then to also be able to teach uh, how to to construct different forms of poetry uh, in a rousing call for justice kind of way. All right, very nice, very nice. What do you think surprised you the most about the book or the creation of the book? What do I think, what the most? What surprised you the most about creating the book? Surprised me the most. How it evolved. Okay. Um, origi- originally, it was the idea was was simple. I want to write a book kind of about the black experience uh, and what that was like. Um, and as I started writing and developing and workshopping, um, I realized the commonality, the 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 shared umbrella of oppression. You know. Ex- existed not just uh, in the black experience, but um, uh, there was an intersectionality of 
uh, oppressive forces working against uh, many different people. So the book has poems about um, patriarchy and misogyny, um, uh, about uh, water rights and immigration, um, about the capital uh, storming and protesting and um, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. Uh, so the the evolution of understanding how, because it started with the question, how can poetry be used to, to fight um, racism and oppression? Uh, so yes. Under, so then exploring that, it, the book evolves to be what it is now. And out of that came the workshop as well, to creating space for people to talk about the social justice issues, to be able to write about the social justice issues um, on their own and to be able to, to bring uh, more poems into the world uh, and you know, provide dialogue. You know, before I ask you to to share another piece of your work, I wanted to know more about Be the Change, social justice writing workshops, and as well as Lift Our Voices Education. I mean, these seem to be two passions of yours. Yes. So uh, part of it was in the writing process, uh, I, I'm reading other poets and I'm, I'm studying other authors and in social justice and reform and, and I realized like if a person picks up the book and they read the book they may be able to uh, relate to it, learn something from it, being able to speak on it um, but more could be offered and so I was like, yes, the book is great, but then there also needs to be a place where people can talk about the issues uh, and write about the issues. Like there, mm-hmm. And so when I created uh, the Be the Change workshop, uh, I created as a name your own price because I wanted it to be affordable for anyone that attended, no matter their economic situation. Uh, to be able to come in and meet, talk to, talk about these subject matters. Uh, and we've talked about immigration. We've talked about um, women's rights in there. Um, we've talked about a, a number of different uh, over-policing uh, so far in the workshops. Uh, and we're definitely going to be moving forward and talk about uh, more social justice issues uh, in the future. Uh, but that's just the start. As we grow, uh, hopefully we'll be moving into doing, uh, working with the youth in schools and um, also moving into artivism uh, and using art to also um, tackle social justice issues. And so sharing our voice, being able to, to uh, you know, inspire people to try and, and make the, their communities and the world around them better. Oh, very nice. I commend you for your efforts, my friend. I really do. Please share another poem. Okay, so this is a poem that was modeled after Jericho Brown's duplex. It's called Spiders. What is it that makes spiders so scary to us? They are okay as long as they are far out of sight. As long as they are far out of sight, they are okay. We won't share our homes with these creatures. No, we won't share this home with predators that crawl into our imaginations with malicious intent, crawling into imaginations with our malicious intent, dark eyes, blackened flesh, long limbs, definitely dangerous, eyes that long, darken limbs, 
black flesh dangerously defiant. Living life, weaving webs, catching food and making babies. Wicked webs catches babies, living life and makes them food. Always been here, always will be. We can learn peace. Can we learn peace? Here will be, have been, always, always make those spiders so terrifying they mean nothing to us. In poem. What is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice? How would you do like break down speaking voice well do you sound the same do you sound the same whether you're writing it Mm. as when you're speaking it or does something else take over another part of you that 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 is a good question (laughs) Uh, See, that's yeah. why they pay me the big bucks games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, hmm. um, for the most part, I think I do uh, sound the same. Uh, I, the, my belief in how I share my thoughts and, and my opinions, I strive to come from a uh, perspective of love. And so when All I right. sit down to to write my pieces, I also try to bring that perspective into the poem, um, even if it's talking about um, topics and, and uh, harsh material. Um, I try to come from a perspective of love and then also try to imagine uh, who uh, in the room maybe doesn't have a voice or hasn't been seen and try and um, capture that as well. The Somewhere around the middle of my second book, I realized that it's, it's going to be challenging for me to tell the, the stories um, in the poetry I want to tell because uh, I'm very narrative-based. Uh, if it's always me as James doing the speaking. And so um, I decided to break with that uh, and branch out. And so um, sometimes the the voice in the poem is from a feminine perspective. Sometimes the voice in the poem is from a masculine perspective. Sometimes it, it, it is from me, um, my perspective, and sometimes it's um, from a different perspective. Um, so I didn't want to um, limit it to, to kind of the first person I uh, in in all of my poems. And so I tried to expand that. Share another poem. Uh, so this poem is about Los Angeles and um, there was a a special uh, police unit that used to police Los Angeles in, in the 90s, uh, early 90s. Um, and so uh, I wrote about that. It's called uh, Terror Squad. You don't belong here, boy, but South Central is my neighborhood. You know I run these streets. If I see you again, pow, the end. South Central is my neighborhood, but it has never felt like a safe home. Pow, my end if I see him again. I've seen his gang in blue do it. Here has never felt like a safe home. Terrorized when we walk out the door. I've seen his gang in blue do it. Murder a man on the block. Terrorized when I walk out the door, I lived through the days praying, saw a man murdered on the block, and no justice was served. 
praying I live through this day. They pull up, jump out with pistols and serve no justice. Protected bullies with badges. They pull up and pull out pistols. I know you run these streets. Bullies with protected badges. Boy. End poem. You know, some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature. Once it's out there, there's not much you can do to correct or improve it. While others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on it? Usually, uh, I try to not self-edit in the process of writing it. Uh, I am uh, very much a poet that likes to get um, the prompt or the idea in my head, sit down, and just free write what I'm thinking, what's coming to mind, and then going back in and kind of chopping it up and keeping what I want and and tossing the rest out. Um, But sometimes it it does come line by line, um, word by word, and what's formed is formed right there on the computer screen um, or the page, uh, and it's kind of edited line by line. So it just, just depends. Just depends. I can understand that. Our poets have several words that come up over and over and over again, words or sentences they just can't help but use in their work. What are three of your absolute favorite words to use? I, I like eyes for some reason. I feel like maybe I'm a very visual person. I am an artist. So, like, yeah, okay. I guess I'm a very visual person. Uh, so All right. the eyes themselves, um, well, let me let me backtrack. When I say, like, I am an artist, my degree in school is actually in art. Um, oh, wow. Um, very nice. I have a BFA. So, the, um, so yeah, visual components, um, like the eyes, uh, come up come up a lot. Other words, um, love maybe. Uh, some friends affectionately call me the love poet, so love definitely uh, comes up in you a lot Mr. of Mr. Loving poems. Words on Instagram, Mr. Loving Words. Yes, Mr. Loving Words. I love the words, and I love love too. <laughs> uh, so right. love would be a, uh, another one. Eyes, love, and then um, I'm think. Third one, maybe future, because I'm 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 thinking about what comes next, what's after okay. now, uh, and so I'm always looking forward and ahead to to uh, uh, hey, with hopeful hopeful eyes. Oh, very nice, nicely stated. Please share another poem. Sure. So uh, this next poem, you asked me the question earlier about um, how does it come in the writing process. And so uh, this one is one that came line by line, and I wrote it earlier today. And it is um, oh wow. It is about uh, Britney Spears and and what's going on with her um, right now. It's titled, To Break a Leg. To break a leg, we raise people high onto man-made pedestals, shower them with praise, wet as uncontrollable tears, expect them to dance while photos flash, bright lights into the eyes, disorienting shouts of, We are not entertained. Do something miraculous. Then sit back. Watch the show. See how they balance a life as we stack more pressure atop their Hollywood crown. Wait for them to slip up. Make a mistake. Because we love a good fall from grace. Then say, see, 
We knew they could not handle the pressure while searching for some new starlet to take their spot. When do we realize we have been setting them up from the beginning to break a leg and everything else? End poem. Wow. Writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience. Others write because to stay silent is not an option. Why do you write, James? Yeah, I don't think silence is an option for me. Okay. Uh, I think I have to I have to speak on matters. Um, but but I don't think that's necessarily why I write. Uh, it, initially, I began writing for me uh, to be able to capture. Um, feelings I didn't feel like I could share with other people. And I feel like a lot of poets start from that place. Um, Mm -hmm. But the moment I decided that I was going to start sharing my work, it became about uh, the audience and and who I was going to be sharing my work for. The individuals that are listening to me are giving me their time which is the greatest currency any of us have. Uh, And so um, I want to respect that and be able to write in a way that um, they can feel uh, touched by the poem, seen and uh, appreciated in the poem. Um, And that part really brings me joy in uh, the process of sharing. And so I'll give you a a recent experience. Um, I wrote uh, for Juneteenth, uh, we had a performance in Orange County. Um, And it's my first outdoor experience um, since COVID hit. Uh, And I shared one of my poems um, from my second book, All the Ways You're Wonderful, titled Hair Care, and um, after I did my set and I got off stage, um, I was introduced to a young lady that said that the poem brought her to tears because she had a, um, the poem really resonated with her. And so I feel like as a poet, to to know that um, people are connecting with your work and feel seen uh, in your work is, um, for me, definitely all I can ask for. All right. That was going to be one of my questions. What, for you, is a measure of success? So, yeah, that is is part of... um, my measure for success definitely it's how you, you know a poem uh, is, has done its job. Uh, but also part of success is understanding that the creation of the poem is by itself a success. So once you, once it's you've created it, um, you brought it into the world, you birthed it. Um, that alone is is something to celebrate. That it is now here. It is there. There was once nothing, and now, through the process of creation, something exists um, here in this world to to gift someone else, to, and we gift it when we share. Uh, and so that uh, is, is also a measure of success um, for the for the the poet to write it, and and then. When it hits and it resonates with an audience, with the crowd, you know, uh, it it's done its job by by bringing them to to on the journey you want to take them, or to the feeling you want it, um, to sit with them. Uh, that is the rewarding part. Like, yes, it's 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 done what I wanted it to do, and if it doesn't. Um, you know, it doesn't make it um, failure. It just means maybe the poem isn't finished, and you can go back and and rework it and and see um, how it can do the job. And 
also understanding that sometimes um, you don't know who or which poem is going to touch someone. So you may think the poem sucks and, and it's garbage and not your favorite poem, but someone may need the message in that poem. Uh, and you don't know that they needed it until you share it and they let you know. They tell you, hey, I really, this really meant something to me right now. I was going to this thing. I lost someone or I just broke up. And, you know, your words captured that experience for me. Wow. Again, nicely stated. I agree with what you said 100%. What do you hope that readers get from encountering your work? Well, I have in my bio uh, a line about trying to capture authentic self-expression, and um, that's kind of difficult to, like, break down. You talk, like, how do you show up as your most authentic self? Yes. Um, and, and that can mean different things for different people, and so... For me, I think it means like trying to be honest in my poems um, as as much as possible, and be able to sh- to share a place from a place of honesty. Um, there, people write poems for different reasons, uh, and some some people write competitively and, you know, write for for judges to critique and not necessarily for audiences. And so um, when I think about writing the poem, I think about who I want the poem to reach, the audience I want it to reach, and uh, how I want it to connect to them. And so at the end of the day, that's that audience is kind of why I'm – in the, in the business of sharing the poem, uh, and so it it kind of starts and ends with them. All right. Well, we have time for one more poem. Please favor us again. Okay, one more. Let me find a poem that uh, will work. Okay. Here. The poem called titled Scarecrow's Watch. You are the sunflower in my day and have been since you first sprouted out of unforgiving clay, wanting nothing more than your piece of dirt for an opportunity to grow, a chance to call this land home, a warm embrace instead of cold steel on outstretched sleeves, to sip refreshing dreams of safe sunsets in free fields. All I am left with is time, ages to reflect on how powerless I am to keep you from being pulled apart. The hue of your petals a bullseye, a hated crop, this tortured target your inheritance, an ever-present anguish, destruction by blade or bullet, both designed to chop down life. I sometimes wish I never planted you, a black seed life intended on uprooting before you could fully bloom in this tempestuous American soil. End poem. I was amazed with your work when I heard you several weeks ago, a couple of, well, last week, I think it was last week, and I continue to be amazed. You're an incredible artist, James. Oh, thank you. Incredible I'm, I'm glad that uh, I didn't bore you today. No, no, not at all. I wish we had more time. I really, really do. What's next for you creatively? You're waiting on a publisher. After your book is out, mm-hmm. what's next for you creatively after that? Uh, that's a great question. I, I, I 
woman told me today I need a CD. Um, so mm, possibly so a poetry CD in the future. Yes. Uh, I'm going to have to work on figuring out how to do that. Uh, definitely we're going to try and grow um, the, the Lift Our Voices education to bring more um, programming uh, to the community. I'm going to try and get a, um, a workshop that teaches um, form as a poetry form, as a form of protest. Um, uh, as some of the examples I shared from the book today, um, using form to to uh, create poems related to social justice. And then um, also a workshop about um, rewriting our stories and reimagining um, our origins and the stories we tell ourselves and how to reframe that um, as we create the future we want. So um, I guess more writing <laughs> uh, right. coming in the future. Well, how can readers stay in touch? How can listeners stay in touch with you? Where can we find you? Uh, definitely Instagram at Mr. Loving Words is probably the best. I post poems on there pretty regularly. Uh, then also Facebook at James Coates, if you want to follow me on there. Um, those are probably the, the two best places. Well, I'd like to thank you so much for spending time with me tonight. We were finally able to make it happen. <laughs> you knew it was so happening happy, when I didn't babe. know it was happening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, well, here's the, thing. here's the thing. If I didn't see you last week, I probably wouldn't have realized. Like, I knew it was coming up, but I, I was, like, buried in my email somewhere. I don't know where. And, like, I know it's coming soon, though. And and then you, it, we just happened to see each other last we just week. <laughs> and I was you like, You could have knocked yeah. me over with a feather. You could have knocked me over <laughs> with a feather. <laughs> because uh, we, had not, we had not connected again. <laughs> but we made it happen. It was meant to and be. And I don't want this to be a one-time one deal. I want to invite you to come back. And share more of your work and talk more about Lift Our Voices Education. And <laughs> I just want you to be a frequent visitor to this show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we won an award for Lift Our Voices Education because um, uh, the, the arts community views poetry and art as second responders during the pandemic. Um, oh, really? And so, wow. yes. Art, art is is they consider um, second responders. You know the the nurses and stuff, first responders, um, but artists that capture you know all the experiences that were going on last year and, and even up to now, um, you know, have a vital role in, in our society and, and um, you know keeping us connected. Well, congratulations, congratulations, my friend. Well, I want to say good night to you, and again, thank you for spending time with us. And as I share with our listening audience every week, let poetry ring. Be safe. Be careful out there. Good night, everybody. Take care. Good night, James. Good night. You have just listened to the quintessential listening poetry online radio podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 